Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are the God who delights to make yourself known to us. So would you open our eyes and would your Holy Spirit work in our hearts so that we might see the wonders in your word. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Um, are you familiar with this saying, if you have never asked, uh, the answer is always no. Uh, maybe, maybe you wanted a pay rise, maybe you want days off work, or maybe you want uh, to borrow a car for the weekend. Or if you are so cheeky like me, maybe you, you want to ask the shopkeepers for discounts. <laughs> um, you'd really love to hear a solid yes as an answer. But equally, you could also get a, a no as an answer. But if you never ask, the answer is always a no. Uh, remember how the story ends from last week? Or should we say how the story didn't end from last week? Moses, who God sent to deliver a message. And Aaron, who God sent to help Moses with delivering that message. They went to Pharaoh and asked him to let the Israelites go. But Pharaoh wouldn't let, let the Israelites go. The Israelites didn't even believe what, that, what Moses and Aaron said about God's rescue plan. And that seemed to have discouraged Moses. Chapter 6, verse 12, uh, verse before our verse from this week. If the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me? Perhaps you have a similar experience. Maybe you are one of those um, thick-skinned people. And, and I mean that in a very positive way. Uh, you are fearless, and you're not afraid of what people think or say about you. You just want to get out there and talk to others about God, about Jesus. But you're not so good with the words, and you're wondering what to say or how to say it so that people can understand you. Or maybe you do know what to say, but then you've plucked up your courage and tried to talk to others about God, about Jesus, but they just, they just not seem interested at all. Or worse still, they just told you to shut up. Or maybe you haven't even got, got that far yet. You've been wondering whether you are even qualified to, to even talk about God in the first place. If the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me? That was the lingering thought from last week. Not only did Pharaoh say no to Moses, people were still not convinced that God was going to rescue them. Well, Moses wasn't convinced himself. He still had doubts. As we carry on with the book, in the book um, of Exodus, we'll see how the book continues to show us how patient God is. But for this morning, we'll take a look at how God was so happy to use Moses and Aaron, and what he has promised he would do, and what does God expect from us? Or we could flip that over and say, what can we expect from God? 
Firstly, God chose Moses and Aaron just as they were. Chapter 6, verse 13, into our passage today. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron about the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he commanded them to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Then the author interrupts us with a genealogy, talking about the family of Moses and Aaron. That's, that's a very interesting start of a paragraph, wasn't it? I mean, what kind of conversation starter is that? Was, was the family tree even necessary? And not to mention, this is, this is a strange one. It only covers the first three sons of Jacob out of his 12 sons. Uh, Reuben, Simeon, and Levi. And we might have to go up and down the passage a little bit and see if it will help us make some sense. Uh, verse 30 of chapter 6 was a repeat of verse 12. Why would Pharaoh listen to me? And that's a good question. In a way, Moses was saying, who am I? And then there's another level to that question, just, just as verse 12 hinted. Maybe people were asking, who on earth is this guy, Moses? Why should we listen to him? How dare he claims that he's got a message from God? We haven't seen this guy around over the last 40 years. Where was he? Where did he come from when we were slaving so hard over those years? And he's going to lead us out of Egypt? So uh, take a look at verse, verses 14 to 26, the, the strange genealogy with me. And just imagine with me hearing the author explaining to the Israelites. You see, Israel, a.k.a. Jacob, had sons, Reuben, Simeon, then Levi, and so on and so forth. And you all descendants of Jacob, you know who they are. Reuben, the firstborn, had those sons, Hanok, Palu, etc., etc. And Simeon, the secondborn, had Jemuel, Jemin, etc., etc. And Levi, Jacob's third son, had Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Out of Kohath's son, let me tell you about Amran. He's an old one. Amran married Jacobet and had Aaron and Moses. If you want to know more about the details, just go ask Uncle Isa and Uncle Hebron, or go check with Cousin Korah or Cousin Sitri. They can tell you more about Amran. And if you're still wanting more proof, go speak to Aminadab from the tribe, tribe of Judah. Check with him because Aaron had married his daughter, Elisheba. So you see, this extract from the genealogy was here to authentic, authenticate Moses and Aaron as true Israelites. Moses and Aaron were great-grandchildren of Levi, and they were authentic members of God's people. And hopefully, we've now got a better idea of why the genealogy. Verse 26, it was this Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord spoke to and gave instructions to. And this Aaron and Moses, verse 27, they were the ones who went and spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt. The same Moses and Aaron who the Israelites should have recognized. 
not to be confused with other errands or Moseses out there. Uh, genealogy is a big thing, especially in that culture there. And I'm sure you guys all recognized there's another person's genealogy got spotlighted in the Bible. Yeah, you've guessed it right. It's Jesus, obviously. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew starts with a genealogy showing that Jesus was a legitimate descendant of David, an, an heir of the throne. And then in the Gospel of Luke, the author turned the genealogy upside down to emphasize how Jesus was not only a legitimate king, but he's the son of God, coming to rescue people out of slavery, out of their sins. So even though people didn't listen to Moses, and even though they might have doubt about his allegiance, because he wasn't around when everyone else labored so hard as slave, and even though people doubted Moses, looking at Moses' genealogy, they can't deny who he is. The same with Jesus. People would doubt him, disbelieve, or even mistreating him. But looking at his genealogy, they can't deny who Jesus is the only one, the savior who God sent to rescue the world. Great, God chose to use Moses and Aaron, but Moses himself still has doubts. Well, I, I too have doubts, like Moses. Why on earth would God want to use me? Why would people listen to me? Moses still wasn't sure, as you can see in verse 30, still, still in chapter 6. Since I speak with faltering lips, why would Pharaoh listen to me? Well, what Moses said here was, was actually very, very untruthful. I mean, imagine 40 years growing up in a palace as a prince of Egypt. He was well-trained, and he was definitely eloquent in speech. This excuse he gave here, and also the one back in chapter 4, saying that he, he'd never been eloquent. That was just a lie. And how do I know that? Well, every Israelite knew that. Because even after thousands of years later, when the first Christian martyr, Stephen, retells the history of Israel, this is what he said. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. So whether Moses, Moses has not been honest or whether he's genuinely doubtful of himself, Moses was actually onto something important here. Who am I that Pharaoh would listen to me? Especially coming from a, a sinner like me. I am a fugitive. I once killed a man, I'm old. I'm a nobody now from the middle of nowhere. So who am I that Pharaoh would listen to me? It is a legitimate question and God is not at all angry with Moses asking such question. Remember back in chapter three when, when Moses had asked so many, many other questions and God wasn't angry at him? And some of you might, might be saying, uh, God did get angry, didn't he? Didn't God? And you're right, God did, did get angry at Moses, but not because of his questions, but because Moses basically told God to, to pick someone else. So 
So that's when God got angry, not when Moses asked questions. So it's really okay if we are to come up with all the questions and express our uncertainties to God. And God will be so cool with that. He's so patient and so gracious towards us. And it's so okay to tell God about our feelings of inadequacy and ask him, ask him for help. Because um, our second point, God's the one doing all the heavy lifting, just as he wills. Moses was in doubt, but God says, chapter 7, verse 1, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. In another word, you are my prophet. Like an ambassador, you are to represent me. Your words to Pharaoh would be as I am speaking to him. When Pharaoh points his fingers at you and challenges you, that's a direct insult to me. And since Moses expressed his feelings of inadequacy, possibly even fear, God had sent Aaron to help him, to speak on behalf of Moses, to represent Moses, just as Moses is representing God. So Aaron speaking equals Moses speaking, equals God speaking. And chapter 7, verse 2, you are to say everything I commanded you, and because you've asked for help, Aaron will do all the talking for you. So go and tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But notice this. God said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. I will do multiple signs and wonders in Egypt. And just so you know, he would not listen. So I will lay my hand on Egypt. And with my mighty acts and judgment, I will bring out my people, the Israelites. God's been really gracious to Moses and Aaron. And this was Moses' third time doubting himself. So three times Moses doubted, but three times God assured them about what he's going to do, how he's going to do it, including all the mighty signs and wonders. And if Moses and Aaron had been taking notes, they'd also remember God said, I will free you. I will redeem you. I will take you as my people. I will be your God. I will bring you to where the promised land is. And I will give you the promised land. Oh, and don't forget, when you leave Egypt, don't forget to ask the Egyptians for silver and gold. Because I will favorably make them give towards you when you leave Egypt. And what was God asking Moses and Aaron to do? Go, represent me, and speak to Pharaoh. Was that clear? That's all you have to do. You don't have to worry about anything else. I will do the rest. So did, did Moses and Aaron finally, finally get the message? I think you, you agree with, with me. Yes, they, they got it. Thirdly, Chapter 7, verse 6. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Uh, I recently watched the film with Ruth on Amazon Prime, uh, The Marksman, starring Liam Neeson as Jim, an ex-Marine Corps. In the film, Jim encountered this Mexican boy, Miguel, 
who crossed the border illegally to trying to find his relative in Chicago. But he's also fleeing from the cartel who sent uh, gangsters after him, trying to kill, kill him, taking his life. And they wouldn't stop until the boy is killed. Jim reluctantly took him on and swore to protect him with his own life. In one of the scenes, Jim handed the boy a gun and gave him a very specific instruction. Count to 30, then fire two quick shots out the window to create distraction. That's it, nothing more. Jim himself would deal with the bad guys and the boy trusted him completely and did just as he was told. He didn't use the gun on the bad guys, even though he had already learned from Jim how to handle the gun. He trusted completely that Jim's got his back. Here in chapter six and seven, God's doing exactly that. He gave a commandment to Moses and Aaron. He revealed his plan to them. He said to them, all you needed to do is following my instruction and I will do the rest. I will not only tell you what to do, what to say, but I will show you that when Pharaoh challenges you, this is what and what you're gonna have to do. And be assured, Pharaoh will talk back at you, so be prepared. Uh, verse 10, so Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. And what happened? Pharaoh wasn't convinced. He saw that Aaron's staff had turned into a snake. Fancy that. You got a snake? Let me show you ours. I've got plenty. Verse 11, Pharaoh then summoned his wise men and sorcerers and magicians. And it would seem as um, the Egyptians also replicated the miracle. Now, to help you with, with this illustration, I actually learned a trick or two from my magician friend. Um, just to prove to you how I, I too can turn a staff into a snake. You don't believe me, you don't believe me do you? <laughs> well, here's my mini staff. It's been sitting here for a long time. Boom! <laughs> there you go, snake. <laughs> uh, sorry for the lame performance. Uh, I, I didn't have the budget to go big. So, and, and Tom wouldn't let me get, get a real snake. So, so, so that's what you get. So the Egyptian sorcerers also turned their staff into snakes. But the snake turned from Aaron's staff, swallowed up all the Egyptian snakes. And that's a big deal. Um, if you have seen any film that's Egyptian themed, like The Prince of Egypt, or Cleopatra, or um, the mummy. Uh, you might have noticed how a snake, in particular a, a cobra, uh, was the symbol of royalty and deity. You can see that their entire headdresses were full of snake and cobra symbols. And the pharaoh were considered to be gods living amongst them, to be their kings. And the cobra was a symbol that the pharaoh could spit fire his enemies, the same way a cobra spits poison into a prey's eyes. God didn't pick a snake 
as his first miracle just to impress. Uh, it was a deliberate choice to send a strong message to Pharaoh. When Aaron's snake swallowed up Pharaoh's snakes, that's when things got exciting. It was as if God was saying, you think that you are a God? But I am the only God. I can swallow you up. And once you are gone, you are gone. There will be no trace that you ever existed. God, on the other hand, is forever. This is the opening statement coming from God in front of the Egyptians. Even before any of the, the coming plagues, which we will look at later. Pharaoh got to see that his God, his gods are no match to the God of Aaron and Moses, the true God. How cool was that? Moses and Aaron got to represent God. They followed God's instruction and did everything just as the Lord commanded. They got to see God's mighty hand at work. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen, just as the Lord had said. Which leads to our last point, just as God had said. Didn't we just witness how Moses and Aaron faithfully represented God? Maybe after the meeting with Pharaoh, Moses and Aaron couldn't shake the feeling that they've just made things worse. They might have felt very discouraged. Pharaoh didn't listen. What a waste of time. Do you have similar feelings or experiences like that? Um, I went and got my hair cut last week from a local barber. The barber is a Christian. <laughs> uh, he loves sharing about Jesus while he works on people's hair. Hair and prayer? Uh, that was his tagline. He often offered to pray for, for his customers on the spot. But he told me he rarely got to see any immediate fruit from all his sharings and prayers. And he seemed a little discouraged. You see, even, even after Pharaoh witnessed with his own eyes that his gods are no match to the living God Moses and Aaron represented, Pharaoh would not listen. What does that leave Moses and Aaron? The two biggest losers? By no means. Have they failed their missions? No. Pharaoh's heart became hard and would not listen, just as the Lord had said. God already told them that that would be the, the outcome. Moses and Aaron were so successful. They faithfully carried out God's instruction, just as the Lord had commanded They've been faithful prophets of God. Pharaoh would not listen just as God had said. Remember back in verse 1 when God told Moses, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. So the, the real issue is not whether Pharaoh would listen to Moses, but whether Pharaoh would listen to God. You see, when a prophet represents God, when he tells people the words coming directly from God, People always have two choices. Either they will listen or they will not. Simple as that. Uh, verse 4 and 5 again. I thought you were going to jump 
back and forth. God had already told Moses and Aaron, Pharaoh will not listen to you. But hey, after I've done amazing things, the Egyptians will. They will know that I am the Lord. That's it. Our job is to make God known, not to make people believe. It's God's spirit who does the heart-changing work. Not us. Our job is simply to proclaim. So next time, when you talk to people about how much God loves them, when you tell them how, how Jesus died for their sins on behalf of them, and when you tell them how only through Jesus can they be saved, and then you ask them if they want to say yes to Jesus. If they say yes, praise the Lord. But if they say no, praise the Lord also. It's okay. Be encouraged. At the very least, they are now informed. Who knows if one day they will come to know that Jesus is Lord and give their life to Jesus. But if the prophet had not done his job, people's only option would be no, because they have not heard. And God's rescue plan was not made known to them. Uh, back to that barber friend I mentioned. Uh, as we chat on, he told me his own story. And he remembered how it took himself 20 years to come around to God. And then he remembered how some of his customers would, from time to time, come back to the barbershop and tell him and thanking him for, for his prayers and how his prayer had worked. And that's encouraging, wasn't it? We reminded each other how God works wonders. But it doesn't always mean that we, we see how God works. We just don't know. As we finish, remember how, one, God loves us. He calls us, uses us, just as we are. And two, how he's the one doing all the heavy lifting, just as he wills. But he's so happy for us to join him and take part in what he does. And three, knowing how powerful God is, let's listen to him and do just as he commanded. And finally, remember that success in making, in talking to people about God is not about seeing how people respond, but how we've made God known. Shall we pray? Yeah, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for choosing us to be your own. Thank you for loving us while we were still sinners. Thank you for the salvation you provided for us through Jesus. And thank you for your spirit who worked in our hearts so that we could acknowledge you are the Lord. And thank you for allowing us to join you in your salvation work, just like how you used Moses and Aaron. Would you help us to be bold? Help us to trust you and be obedient in following your instructions. Help us to be your faithful servants who would make you known to people around us. And in, in your mercy, would you open our eyes to see the mighty deeds you never stopped doing. And in our weaknesses, would you encourage us when we have doubts and give us strength so that we can joyfully carry on in the task you've entrusted us of making you known. Thank you for being so patient with us when we have doubts 
And thank you for being a loving Father who's always willing to listen to our prayers and to help us grow in trusting you. We give you thanks and we pray confidently in the gracious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.